This Christmas period is always financially tough on British families, but this year it will be tougher than ever with inflation hitting record numbers. The cost of living in the UK is rising and it's changing people's lives. The government claims they are fighting against one of the biggest recessions Britain may have ever faced. The Chancellor says it's a plan to escape recession. Higher taxes, lower standards of living, cuts to public services. Are they doing enough? Or will people in the public sector continue to strike in an effort for improved pay in working conditions? Today, we break down the cost of living crisis, we talk to local business owners and how they are struggling to keep up with the costs of running a business. We will also be talking about strikes and what you can do to fight back against the rising costs. I'm Will Brown. I'm Max McFitty. I'm Daniel McCallum. And I'm James Barker. And this is The Word on Your Side. Firstly, we start with inflation. What is inflation and why has it increased so much to the point the average UK household is now struggling to pay their bills? We are coming on the air because the war in Ukraine has begun. Speaking on national television, Mr Putin urged Ukrainian troops to lay down their arms and go home. Gunfire and explosions have been heard here and in the second city of Kharkiv shortly after the Russian president Vladimir Putin authorised a special military operation. On the 24th of February earlier this year, Vladimir Putin decided to invade Ukraine in a war which is still being fought nearly nine months later. The West retaliated by placing sanctions on Russia and the EU nations have agreed to stop buying Russian crude oil from the 5th of December. Russia has cut its supplies of gas to Europe by 88% over the past year, which has had a massive impact on the European economy, as 40% of the energy EU nations were using came from Russia. The lack of energy available in Europe means manufacturing and transporting costs of food and energy has increased, which ultimately kick-started the rapid increase of inflation in Britain creating a cost-of-living crisis. Experts believe the United Kingdom will have the lowest economic growth of the big seven countries over the next year, with only Russia having less economic growth than the United Kingdom, while the country still faces sanctions from the West over their invasion of Ukraine. Inflation may stand at 10% currently, but those in the lowest income demographics have been hit the hardest, having to live life with an inflation of roughly 12.5% because they spend more of their income on energy bills and food. One of the most noticeable places you will see inflation is in grocery stores. The average price of food has gone all the way up to 16.4%, which is the highest it has been since 1977. Items such as milk, butter and pasta have nearly doubled in price compared to last year. With the average British family struggling to pay for their food shop, it's no wonder why more and more people are going to soup kitchens and food banks than ever before. Max McVitty has more for you on food banks and soup kitchens, whilst we catch up with Andrea Bell, who tells us how important the soup kitchen is to the Sunderland community. For some, food banks and soup kitchens are a necessity if they want to get by during the winter, when food bills are at an all-time high. Um, we're a free food service and um, just the way it works now it's very dignified we don't uh, we don't ask any intrusive questions if a person's going to stand in the queue here we, we just give them the food without any questions so it's basically a free food service we do have a um, food bank service um, we've got two allotments which are chemical free not quite organic but chemical free and we have um, we help with clothes we help with furniture December is the most expensive month of the year, with families forking out hundreds of pounds on food, presents and heating. Andrea has warned that many families will struggle in December due to many not yet starting to heat up their homes, which she believes may cause more people to come to the soup kitchen and food banks for additional help. But it's really, really strange. I think 
it hasn't quite hit people yet because I don't think lots of people have had to put their heating on yet. But I'm absolutely sure once, I mean, if what you've got to look at, a lot of people that we help will be paid early. They'll be paid early in December. So they've got to go from the middle, basically, of December till the end of January before they get any more money. So we know we'll see an influx of people then. And they may have to put their heating on. So again, we will definitely see people. But it's not just the families of Sunderland struggling. Andrea herself has admitted that the Sunderland community soup kitchen is even starting to struggle financially and has said that the reason for this is people just don't have the money to spare to give donations. I mean, everything's miles, miles more expensive. Um, we do get a few donations. We used to be really, really inundated with donations, but the last year, um, it, it's pretty much dried up. I just think people have been so scared and having to hang on to their own money. So donations pretty much have dried up for about a year. Um, money donations, we used to get quite a lot more than we do now, but that, that kind of dried up a little bit. So yes, it has been difficult. We've had to find different ways to um, to, to, to make ends meet because we buy a lot of what we, what we um, cook. However, the community of Sunderland is coming together in an effort to support the soup kitchen. Former and current players and managers of Sunderland Football Club have came down in support of the soup kitchen, along with fan-owned media companies like Roka Report and A Love Supreme. Uh, Roka Report have been behind us for the last three years. Sunderland uh, Football Club this year have really sort of came behind us to support us. They've been down. Lee Johnson, everybody came down. Steve Davison's been down helping the kitchen. We love Chris Warners. He's been down. O uh, Oscar, Oscar's been down helping. There's been quite obviously a few. The ladies, the ladies soccer stars, Gary Bennett always coming down. So again, the Sunderland side have, have really sort of kicked in. And it's just, it's nice to have people behind helping other people. I mean, it, 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 I don't think there's a more worthy cause than trying to feed people. If you would like to donate to the Sunderland Soup Kitchen, please visit their Facebook page as Andrea explains that there are many ways you can help. But we have got a, a really compact Facebook page which has got um, a don. Actually, hopefully we've got a, a, don a donation button going on. It's just click a button, that's in the process. And then we've got um, uh, so basically a poster. We've got, you can text. You can text to, to us. You can, um, there's a QR code. You can ping the QR code. We've put the bank details on there, we've got PayPal on there. So there's loads of ways that people can help. Unlike soup kitchens, business owners are unable to ask for donations to help with the rising costs of food. I speak to Liam, who owns a cafe in Sunderland, to talk about what it's like to own a business during the cost of living crisis. And how has the cost of living crisis affected the cafe as a business? Massively, to be honest. Having an effect on everyone's pockets, so generally people don't have the disposable income for like businesses like ours and that. And I also find an ingredients are costing more and the cost of running the business. Yeah, it seems to be like everything. It's just a little bit more expensive. Like key ingredients like oil and butters and that have all like more than doubled in price. Have you considered raising prices to cope with the rising costs? I have, but only slightly. I've been trying to keep like most of the prices the same um, just to kind of bring more orders in and that. But have you noticed the cafe's been more or less busy with people maybe struggling to afford to eat out? It's definitely been less busy. It's at the point now where like every morning, not sure what's going to happen that day. We've had like days where we've managed to spend more than we've made. It's turned into that kind of battle. Obviously, being around the stadium, how does match days? How important are they for the for the cafe? Yeah, oh, match days are massively important. It's like where we see our biggest boost. And then them downtimes between matches and that they're a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> they're a bit long. How do you save money as a business during a, a cost of living crisis? Yeah, you've got to rein it all in. To be honest, it's like. Looking at equipment and keeping your eye on like how long things are on for and switching things off and 
using less water as much as you can, losing using less heating as much as you can, and then like cutting st- like staff shifts, like split shifts or shorter shifts or anything like that. In the UK, more than 70,000 university staff are going on strike. They want better pay and conditions to combat record high inflation. More and more people are starting to strike. From teachers to nurses to real workers, the British public is striking for better pay to combat inflation. I speak with Steve Cannon, the elected branch secretary of the University and Colleges Union at Sunland, to discuss strikes and why more people are joining unions. And I'm the elected branch secretary of the universities and colleges union branch at Sunderland. So it's basically the academic and academic related staff union. I've been in that position for a few years now. Um, So it was kind of my job to communicate to our members last week about what we were doing, you know, and to coordinate the picketing and make sure everyone was on board. Uh, So, you know, I was the kind of main picket organiser on, on the three strike days that we had. Do you think that the cost of living is the main reason for the strikes, that you deserve more pay and better working conditions? I think it's certainly been a huge factor in the unprecedented vote for action. There was 81.1% of our members voted for action this time. And the people actively engaging with it on the picket lines last week was substantially up. I've, I've worked here for many, many years and uh, it's the, you know it's the biggest strike participation, you know, in terms of active uh, people coming out, getting up early in the morning on freezing cold mornings and coming out on the picket line. So I think the cost of living and the sense that there's a sort of enough is enough for now or never kind of feel about the current situation. And I think the evidence is there in the National Student Survey last year that, um, you know, students gave, you know, film production, for example, you know, is now the number one course in the country. Um, in the Guardian League tables almost entirely because the students recognised that extra mile that people went to to get them through in all of those trying circumstances. So at the end of that, when the national employers say, OK, you can have 3% and inflation is running at 14, you know, it's just a kind of culmination of all of those things coming together. So just feeling undervalued, but that's not necessarily about you know, give me X percent. It's also about, you know, the, the direction that higher education is going in and the sense of being overexploited. So, you know, one way or the other, either uh, better conditions, you know, manageable workloads, not that sense that even without a crisis, an emergency like the roof blowing off, you're having to do too much, you're having to do more, you're having to work late, you're having to work weekends. So, you know, it's that combination of things that I think contributed to it. You were saying there, enough is enough. Do you think that the government and these big corporations will finally give in to you and give you what you want? And if not, will you <laughs> continue to strike until next year? I mean, you you must be aware that, and it's going to get much more publicity than our strikes do, the nurses are about to come out. Uh, the railway workers have been out. The postal workers have been out. On the same day as us last Wednesday, sixth form teachers were out. I think the current figure, civil servants have voted for action. I think the current figure is more than half a million workers uh, who have a live mandate for strike action. And primary and secondary teachers are going to add to that in the new year. Um, I think other health workers, not just nurses. So, you know, by by the spring, it could be a million. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, I'd like to see that momentum build up sooner rather than later so that 
obviously those of us who are either in the public sector fully or partly in the public sector, you know, can get the government to recognise their role in this. And obviously they've 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 had a pernicious role in prolonging the railway strikes because I'm trying to remember which cabinet it was now. There's been so many of them, but you know, several cabinets ago, Grant Shapps was the transport secretary and he was basically not just refusing to meet the railway workers, but sticking a spanner in the works um, to stop the employers meeting them properly. So yes, government government uh, has lots to answer for here. And, you know, both inside parliament and outside, pressure needs to be put on them to to shift direction and not, not make us pay for the crisis that they've largely caused. Thank you for listening to our Cost of Living Crisis episode. If you require additional support, please visit costoflivingsupport.gov.uk and make sure you check out our other episodes of the podcast. Thank you.